Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I am Josh and I am excited to have Johnny Baker on the show today. Johnny, thanks for joining us. Josh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, Johnny is on staff at Celebrate Recovery, and he's been on staff since 2004. He's the pastor of Celebrate Recovery at Saddleback Church, where it founded since 2012, as well as the national director of Celebrate Recovery. His latest book is entitled The Road to Freedom. Johnny, tell me about The Road to Freedom. Josh, again, before I start, I just want to say thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about the book. It's uh, basically 10 lessons I've learned. in my time in Celebrate Recovery. And like you said, it was started at our church in 1991 by my parents, John and Cheryl Baker. And uh, so I've been a part of Celebrate Recovery since the very beginning. Um, I was about 14 or 15 when they started it. And for some reason, they didn't think it was a good idea to leave their teenage son at home alone. And so I got to come (laughs) be be the setup guy and uh, do some of those things and actually led the first team group. Um, And so... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. And, uh, but a new pastor's kid, cause before then he was a uh, practicing alcoholic and he had gotten sober and started celebrate recovery at our, at our church. And, um, that's a whole story unto itself, but so yeah, the road to freedom, uh, it's basically 10 lessons I've learned that apply not just to recovery, but to life in general. Um, in the 26 years I've been a part of celebrate recovery. So tell me about your backstory, not only about, um, you know, your father and his alcoholism, but also just the change that he experienced. And then as an adolescent, right, at some level, you were probably pretty bitter towards him. And then he just has this abrupt change. He starts ministry. I mean, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Totally. Yeah. So my dad was, you know, the kind of alcoholic that drank um, a lot, but he was never violent. He was never uh, angry. He wanted to kind of just turn the volume down you know, and he just kind of wanted to, to hang out and, and just kind of take it easy. Um, and so his drinking made him emotionally unavailable um, during a lot of my childhood. And so in the late 80s, right around 90-ish or so, probably late 80s, I guess, uh, my parents got into this big fight because um, my mom wanted him to go with her to get a piece of pie with my sister's boyfriend's family. And so he said, he said no. And she said, well, well either you get out or get counseling and work on this issue in our marriage. And, uh, he's surprised us all and left. And, um, and they began a 13 month separation. And during that time, uh, he realized that his drinking had cost him everything. He had, you know, lost his whole family. And again, he was a highly functioning alcoholic. He didn't lose jobs. He didn't get arrested. It wasn't that kind of thing, but he realized, you know, he didn't have a relationship with his son, his daughter, or his wife. And so he began attending secular recovery, uh, traditional AA meetings. He did the 90 meetings, the 90 days kind of thing. And he realized in that process that he was raised as a Christian and he knew who his higher power was. I, I'm sure you're familiar with recovery and in recovery, yep. you, you, you have a higher power. And in his particular AA groups, and I realize this isn't everybody's story, but it was his, 
in his AA group he was attending in Los Angeles, he was discouraged from sharing about Jesus Christ being his higher power. And so mm. he um, struggled with that. He uh, started coming around a little bit more and started, you know, being part of the the family a little bit more while they were still separated, trying to reconcile with my mom. And um, man, he he did this thing that was crazy for me. He made his amends and he told me he was mm. sorry for what he had done, which is again, part mm. of recovery. And it was in that moment that I looked at him and I went, this is a different guy. Because mm. until that point, I'd always heard him make excuses or tell me the things that were going to be different. But he had never said the very simple, I'm really sorry for what I've done mm. to our family. And in that moment, he did. And I'll tell you what, man, in that, I, I just I forgave him right away. Mm. And um, that began, began a real healing process in our relationship. Uh, as he and my mom began to reconcile their marriage, he asked us if he could come to church with us, which blew us all away <laughs> because we had stopped fighting him by that point, you know. And he came to Saddleback and heard Pastor Rick speak and had the experience that a lot of people have had when they hear Pastor Rick speak, which is where they feel like he's speaking right to them. Sure. And he felt right at home. And so he wrote Pastor Rick uh, a short 13-page single-space letter <laughs> outlining the idea for Celebrate Recovery. Because as he looked around <laughs> our worship center, he said, there's got to be other people who are struggling with issues like I am. And when I say he wrote it, really, he dictated it. My mom typed it on a typewriter and they sent it in to Rick, really confident that Rick was going to find a pastor to lead the ministry. And instead, he found my dad. He said, great, do it. You know, and that began a process of, of celebrate recovery for him. Well, I was already involved in the church at that time in the high school ministry, really plugged in and loved the high school ministry. Um, and I as the as celebrate recovery began, like I said, I attended celebrate recovery. I led the teens group. And uh, eventually went through something we call a step study, which is these workbooks that my dad wrote um, for codependency. Mm. And um, I'm really glad I did because it gave me a foundation that I would lean on later on. Um, and so uh, fast forward a little bit, cut to December mm -hmm. of 1999. Mm. I'm uh, calling my dad from Orange County Jail here in uh, California after getting arrested for a DUI. Mm. And um, I had decided that the problem my dad had was he didn't know how to control his drinking and I would figure out how to do that and um, had decided to not just follow in his footsteps, but do a lot of stuff he had never done, like get arrested and, and some of those things. Um, and uh, so in 1999, I was arrested for DUI, I called my dad from jail. I was engaged to be married. I was confident that Jenny was going to call off our engagement and luckily she didn't. And, um, uh, when he picked me up from jail later on, he said, you know, kid, I think you've got some issues you need to look at. And at that point, how long was he into his recovery? Oh, he's been sober for, you know, let's see, 29 years at this point. So, okay. so you he know, was almost I mean, a decade into. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was well into it. by 99. Yeah. And we, you know, he had been, you know, that's, that was the thing, you know, I was calling, I wasn't just calling my dad. I was calling the founder and pastor of Celebrate Recovery. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it was a scary phone call. But he didn't lecture me. He didn't yell at me. He just said, you know, you need to take a look at it. And I didn't for four years. Mm -hmm. I, I started drinking sec secretly. My wife and I got married in May of 2000. And I, I started, um, she didn't like it, uh, the drinking. And so I hid it from her. And I didn't actually seek out sobriety for myself and recovery for myself until um, she got pregnant with our first daughter. And um, when she was mm -hmm. pregnant... Uh, see, I didn't stop drinking, um, but I did stop drinking and driving. I never got behind the wheel of a car after I had a drink again because everybody told me that I was going to have another DUI and I was just 
stubborn enough to, to prove them wrong. It really wasn't about anything else, you know? And, um, and I had this, this moment of clarity where I thought, even though she was weeks pregnant, I had this moment of clarity of thinking if I were to start drinking and she went into labor, we'd have to call somebody to take us to the hospital and mm. my whole facade would be up. And so yep. that's when I began seeking out recovery for myself. And so I, um, I began attending recovery meetings and, and, uh, going to celebrate recovery and uh, worked the program as a as an alcoholic and think like I said earlier, thank God I had some of that that um, foundation from when I was a teenager using the principles as a codependent because I was able to lean on that and I knew where to go right away um, for help. And uh, since then, since uh, since you know uh, that time, I've been sober and like you said, I've been able to come on staff at Celebrate Recovery and it's been it's been a heck of a ride. I'll tell you that much. Jimbo, did you hear that someone is actually paying us to do an ad? Wait a second. Somebody is paying us? Say Who what? are these people? It is actually our old alma mater, Howard Payne University. HPU. HPU. STEM jackets win. You know a it. A fine education bathed in a, a Christian bill. atmosphere. Oh. A Christian yeah, atmosphere a Christian is what atmosphere. it's bathed in. Yep. But it's this time it's Howard Payne with a twist because they actually have expanded to New Braunfels. Oh, that's right. They opened a new campus in New Braunfels in 2012. And they have three different degree options. One option is an associate's degree in Christian studies, which is designed for bivocational ministers and busy schedules. Just a short drive south of Austin, just a short drive north of San Antonio. They're also offering four bachelor's degrees, one in business, one in Christian studies, one in criminal justice, and one in general studies. And there are whispers. Jimbo, you gotta whisper this. That's why I'm whispering. There are whispers that there are new degrees coming in 2019. And one last thing not to forget, there are two master's programs, Mm -hmm. one in business administration, MBA, and one in criminal justice, MCJ. I am pumped we get to spread the news about a Christ-centered higher education in Central Texas, which is provided by Howard Payne University, New Braunfels. For more information about HPU New Braunfels, go to hputx.edu backslash New Braunfels. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter at hpunb. And Facebook is HPUTX New Braunfels. Sting them jackets win. Get your stinger up, Josh. It's, it always stays up. So with my next question, you might not feel like the expert, but to my estimation, you might very well be. My question is alcohol in the church. You know, you describe your dad as growing up Christian. You describe yourself as being super active. And yet both, um, at some level, even though with your DUI, both pretty high-functioning alcoholics. There are so many within the church, it's just generally accepted in, I'd say, the vast majority of denominations within the Christian world that you can have a drink. But often within the church, and I don't think really anybody speaks to it, a drink turns into two, they turn into three, or the pores get larger. Speak to, just for a second, potential alcoholism that's rampant within the church that no one acknowledges and certainly doesn't speak about. Yeah, I think it's a it's a slippery slope. And so, you know, my thing is I do know that there are people who can have a drink every once in a while. I'm not one of them, right? <laughs> like if I like you said, if I'm if I decided to have a beer, I'm gonna have all the beer. And so sure. um it's actually one reason why, you know, although I've been sober uh for 14 years now, I still identify myself as a believer who struggles with alcoholism. Uh, I don't I don't say I have victory over alcoholism. I don't say I'm recovered from. I say I struggle with because I have to remind myself that once I stop once I stop thinking I'm struggling, I can go right back into it again. And so 
Um, so yeah, I think that it's a really personal thing. And, you know, even being somebody who, you know, is a pastor of a recovery ministry, a recovering mm -hmm. alcoholic himself, and all of those things, I would be very hesitant to point to anybody and say, your drinking is a problem. However, I think there are some really simple things that people can do, whether it's, you know, spending money or drinking alcohol or, you know, looking at pornographic magazines or websites or any of those things yep. um, that you can sort of say, like, has this become a problem in my life? Now, some of those are easier to tell, but some of them are a little bit trickier. And I think with alcohol, right. it's it's maybe one of the trickier ones. And so for me, there was a moment where alcohol went from like a party to medicine. It went mm -hmm. from the thing that was like I enjoyed doing to the thing I had to do. And so, um, you know, my my test would be, hey, if somebody were to come along and tell you uh, is in order to be a member of our church or be on staff of our church, you weren't allowed to drink. How would that make you feel? Would you feel sure. like you were being put upon? Would you feel like that was a hard thing to do? I had a friend one time say, you know, my wife is giving me a hard time because she thinks I'm an alcoholic, but I'm not one. And I said, great, I believe you. And he said, you do? I said, sure, why not? Why would you lie to me? And he said, <laughs> well, you know, she's, she's telling me I'm, I'm drinking too much. And, uh, she wants me to quit drinking. I said, Hey, I got, I'm going to fix this problem really quickly. I'm going to, you're going to really be excited because I'm going to fix your whole marriage right now. You know, he said, okay, how? And I said, do you, do you love your wife? He said, I do. And I said, great. Um, you love her more than, than the booze. He said, yeah. I said, great. It's easy. Ready? And he goes, yeah, I go stop drinking. Stop drinking. Exactly. Stop drinking. <laughs> you know? And he starts to give me all of these reasons why that's not fair. And I said, well, hold on, hold on, buddy. I'm starting to have a harder time believing that you're not an alcoholic because if you were, <laughs> yeah, you just quit, sure. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of those things where I think in the church, it's really a, a tricky thing to get right because, you know, there are some churches, you know, mine, for example, that if you're on staff at Saddleback, we take a, you know, we, we <laughs> say we're not going to drink and that's because mm -hmm. we don't want anybody to stumble and we don't want it to become a stumbling block in our own lives. Yep. Um, and so you know, for us, it's kind of, uh, it's easier when you're on staff because you don't have to worry about it. But there are other churches, like you said, most churches where that's not going to be the thing. And I would just say it's a, it's a very slippery slope and be careful. Um, yep. if you feel like you or someone in your life is, um, drinking to excess, um, that you, you feel like you couldn't give it up, or you're even making decisions based on whether or not you'll be able to drink. Uh, I've had people tell me that they've been asked to be elders at their church, but they were told they weren't going to be able to drink. And so they decided not to. And, mm. you know, again, those are things that aren't necessarily like, oh, you're an alcoholic. Sure. But it is a thing of saying maybe the alcohol has become too important if you're giving up other things that you right. would otherwise do if you if you didn't have to. So within the road to freedom, um, as well as obviously celebrate recovery, you guys talk about hurts, habits, and hangups. Speak to those for a second. Yeah. So one of the big misconceptions about celebrate recovery and uh, one that's really easy to, to kind of get caught up in is that it's just for people with drugs and alcohol issues. And while it is for those of us who struggle with drugs and alcohol, we're, we make up about a third of the people who attend celebrate recovery. The rest of the people who come struggle with different issues, whether they're hurts, hangups, or habits, like you said. And so uh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means we've all hurt people with our actions and their actions. Other people's actions have hurt us. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering if you qualify for celebrate recovery, you've hurt someone, you've been hurt by other people. So congratulations, <laughs> you're, exactly. you could be a part of us. Um, then those hurts turn into hangups. So as children, we kind of develop coping mechanisms, how to deal with the, the dysfunction in our families or to deal with the way that we're feeling. And those things can turn into hangups, things like, um, 
you know, love and relationship issues or codependency is probably the big one. Um, or, or somebody who is uh, an adult child and an alcoholic, they're, they're going to look at life in a certain way. And so mm-hmm. going through a recovery program is going to help them as well. Left un you know, undealt with those hangups oftentimes turn into habits. And again, whether that's drug and alcohol issues, sexual addiction, spending, um, eating too much or not enough, all of these different things. It's basically like I, you know, this, this compulsion to, um, act out in a way that's harmful or, um, that puts something else in that place where, where Jesus really belongs. You have an interesting segment within the book about normal people, uh, share with us about that. Yeah, so there's, you know, in, in recovery, we kind of adopted this nickname for ourselves as those people. And um, the way that that <laughs> happened was in the church's early days of Celebrate Recovery, we do these training seminars where about 18 times a year we go on the road and we do training seminars for folks to learn about how to do Celebrate Recovery at their church. And in the early days, my mom and dad would go speak at these pastor's conferences and, and people would come up to them and they'd say, I'm so sorry you went through that in your marriage, but we just don't have those kinds of people in our church. And that kind of, you know, showed what denial really is. And then it also kind of showed that there is this idea that people who are in counseling, people who have mental health issues, people who are going through recovery programs can kind of be put in this category as those people, you know, the, the weak people or the weird ones or the people with issues. And then everybody else would kind of fit into this normal people uh, category where it's, we don't have those things. Normal people don't talk about their issues. They kind of just stuff them down. Those people deal with their stuff. Normal people don't seek counseling for a marriage that isn't wildly out of control, but they're fighting over holidays or they're fighting over, you know, smaller things. Normal people just stuff it and, and ignore it. Or one person gets to make the decision. Those people go seek out help to figure those things out. And so basically the idea is there really isn't, none of us are normal people. Normal people is sort of, um, my my speak for people who don't know they need help sure uh, in some ways in the road to freedom you talk about this and i want you to speak to this for a second but how god is the vital link within recovery but so often there's so many folks that have a hard time and there's a multitude of things that keep them from turning to god talk to us about that for a second yeah so the the whole the foundation of celebrate recovery is jesus christ the entire program is built on him and his words and so Without a relationship with Jesus, we can't really find the freedom that we're looking for. We can find some, some sobriety, um, some some abstaining from our our core issue, or or uh, you know not dealing with some of the or you know not acting out in certain ways. But we're not going to find that recovery, that whole life change where Jesus said, "I came to give life, and life is all, in all its fullness." We're not going to experience that without Him. He's the cornerstone stone of everything that we do in Celebrate Recovery, and so. If we want to find true freedom, it, it comes in the in the form of relationship with Jesus, and so mm-hmm. He is uh, every part of what we do. And so, yeah, you, like you said, there's a lot of things that can keep us from a relationship with Him. And what happens for a lot of people when they hit what we call a bottom, um, or they have what what I was explaining earlier, that moment of clarity, there becomes this moment of like, I need to find something better. I need to find a new mm-hmm. way, and that new way is most often you know, a relationship with God. And so what we're, what we try to do in celebrate recovery is say, Hey, come here and try something different than what you've been trying. Lean on God. And it starts with coming out of denial. That's the beginning of the, of the process. And that's that moment where you say this issue in my life is out of control and it's unmanageable and things I've done to try to make it work aren't working. That's where it starts. And then 
you earnestly believe that God exists. It's not even a relationship yet. It's just hoping that he's there. But then everything changes when we get to the third principle. And that's where we consciously choose to commit all of our life and our will over to Jesus Christ. And that's where we name him as our savior and as our higher power. And if we don't get past that part, we're going to have a real hard time doing the rest of it because it's all dependent on him. And so, you know, if, if we're looking for a little bit of change in one area, sure, we can do that on our own strength or we can do that with some help in some other areas. But if we want total life change, as you know, that comes in a, as a relationship with Jesus. And so we point people to him from the very beginning because that's where I feel and where we know their lives are actually going to change. So if you notice these issues within a loved one, let's say a spouse or even a friend, how can one sensitively, lovingly confront them with truth and encourage them to seek help? Yeah, and I think I think you 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 said two key words, love and truth, you know, and I, I would say um, most people kind of err on one side or the other. <laughs> and I think there really is a good mixture of the two where you just say, hey, this this thing that you're doing, it, it's out of control and you need to face it. And so I think it depends on the relationship. If it's a son or a daughter, uh, you're going to go one way. If it's a spouse, you're going to go another way. If it's a friend, sure. maybe maybe even different. So the, the, the closer the intimacy, I think the more you have to lean into that relationship and lean into mm -hmm. that confrontation. But, but I think the key thing is to not just provide information, but to say, mm -hmm. I'll go with you. So that's the cool thing about Celebrate Recovery. You know, if, if I'm uh, married to somebody who is, you know, using uh, drugs or alcohol or spending too much money and I need them to get some recovery, it's not just I, I take them to church, and I drop them off to go to this recovery meeting, but we can go together. Now we're going to go to different groups, but we can, we're going to go through the same material. We're going to go through the mm -hmm. same process. And well, you know, my spouse may be going for, you know, her, uh, spending habits or her uh, eating habits or her drug habits, I'm going to go to the codependency group. Or I might actually yep. find out, oh, you know what? I, I've got anger issues uh, that yep. have been undealt with, and I'm going to go to that group. Now, we're going to go to different groups. All of our groups in Celebrate Recovery are gender-specific, men with men, women with women. Um, but we're going to work on the same kind of stuff. And if we do a step study, like I talked about earlier, we're going to go through the exact same workbooks. There aren't workbooks for alcoholics and another set for sex addicts and another set for codependents. We all go through the same workbooks. And what that does is that gives us a, a point of reference where we're saying, you're not worse than me. I'm not better than you. We're all working on our issues. And then it gives us a vocabulary that we can talk about. So whether that's parents and, and kids or spouses or brothers and sisters or whatever that is, it's not just you need help, but it's let's figure this out together mm -hmm. and let's go check this out together. And also realize you can confront somebody the best way possible. You could have, you know, the most loving, you know, uh, confrontation or intervention. And if that person isn't ready, they're not going to receive that well. And that doesn't mean yes. that there's going to be a conflict. They may tell you they everything haven't had you want that to hear. They have to have that moment. Recovery is something we only get when we want it. And it becomes something that we chase passionately and fervently when we really, when it's become the only thing that that's going to work for us. If they live inside of our home, can we bring about that moment in any way? Oh, I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, if it's a, if it's a child, I think that there are definitely boundaries that have to be set. Even if it's a spouse, there are definite boundaries that are going to have to be set to say this behavior is not okay. Um, and so, like I said, you know, when, when my, my parents, their marriage was saved because they were separated for 13 months and that may sound strange, but they're able to work on their own issues during that time. And then they were, they came back. So 
I think sometimes that's a powerful tool. I think saying to a, a, an older child, you know, some, uh, you know, again, somebody 18 or so, if you're going to, if you're going to continue to do that, you're going to have to leave my house, a younger child to say, I'm going to drug test you. And if you're not passing the drug test, then you're going to lose your car. You're going to, you know, there's, there've got to be boundaries. They've got, because we don't change until the pain ex- exceeds the fear of change. The yeah. pain in our lives has to get to a certain level that we go, I am losing things. Again, my dad's life changed when he realized he had lost his whole family. My life changed when I realized I was repeating the same patterns he had repeated in our life. And I was going to bring about that pain in my family. Pain is the, is the great motivator. And I talk about that in the road to freedom as well, that that pain is the motivator that gets us going. If you, if you're, afraid of going to the dentist, nothing's going to get you to the dentist faster than a pain in your tooth. And same thing in our, in our lives as well. So if we're making it too easy for the people in our lives, especially like you said, under our roofs to, to keep acting out and whatever issue they're acting out. And then, yeah, that change isn't going to happen, but still it's good to know that you can do it all right. You can set the right boundaries. Sure. You can set the right tone. And if that person's not ready, it's going to be a real, it's going to be a challenge. So in that regard, what I would say is maybe it's time for that person, the you know, the person who's who is laying down the law and putting those boundaries in place to seek out recovery for themselves as well or yes. counseling for themselves yes. as well so that they can have some tools and get some support from other people who are doing the same thing uh, and work on their issues as well. Guys, the ministry is Celebrate Recovery. The book is The Road to Freedom, and the author is Johnny Baker. You can find more information on Johnny at CelebrateRecovery.com. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you're on all three of those, and they're all just Johnny Baker, right? Pretty much, yeah. Johnny Baker at Instagram, and uh, on Facebook, it's Johnny Baker CR. I'm sorry, on Twitter, it's Johnny Baker CR. Johnny, thank you so much for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. This is really fun. So my hand is absolutely exhausted from writing everything down. Obviously, he's speaking our language, right? Like recovery, counseling. I mean, everything he was spitting out was gold. I have a few notes here. And and by the way, uh, Jimbo wasn't able to make it today. When I scheduled Johnny about a month ago, he's out of town today. And that wasn't on his schedule. And that's why I went ahead and booked Johnny for today. But he is out of town. And so uh, Jimbo will obviously be back, but probably we didn't miss him all that much. So pain has to exceed rewards. The reward of drinking, whatever buzz or whatever high on the drug, the pain that you experience because of your usage has to exceed the rewards for you to have that moment of clarity to change your ways. He also mentioned how you how you judge whether this thing is an addiction or an issue in your life is has it become medicine for you? I thought that was really good. He mentioned, you know, sometimes we just use it to unwind or party, but when it becomes medicine, it becomes inappropriate in your life. And that's when, at some point, you know, once it becomes medicine, you need some sort of moment of clarity. And that moment of clarity only comes when the pain of that medicine exceeds the reward of the medicine. I thought that was great. I also loved his piece on his parents, how they were really saved. Their marriage was saved through separation. We do. Uh, It's rare, but it certainly can be. We counsel people to separate sometimes just because removing creature comforts, right? Like if it's an abusive spouse or an alcoholic and, all right, man, I need you or woman, I need you to move out of here and allow that person to live life on their own, removing those comforts. 
that can really bring about good change. And so I, we've, we certainly have done that over the years, council separation. And I know that within the church that can be a little bit controversial, but I love that he, he said that, that that really saved their marriage. It facilitated the clarity moment for his father, and then each of the, them, his mom and dad, were able to work on their own stuff in the 13 months that they were separated. And then finally, I mean, I probably have 15 other things I could say, but the importance of CR, but also just really in any recovery, that man, I think you need help and I'll go with you. So you need to bring them truth in love, but you also need to bring them your relationship and offer to actually go with them through the recovery process. I thought that was great too. Guys, if you want more information about Johnny, if you want more information about the show, it's paradoxpodcast.com. Again, celebraterecovery.com if you want more information about the ministry. He said, I think 30,000 churches all over the world. So there's definitely got to be one in or near your community. So if you want that type of group experience within your church, go to celebraterecovery.com and find the local one that you can attend. But if you want more information about the show, it's paradoxpodcast.com. Podcast.com. You can click on the episode link to find this specific episode as well as previous ones. You can also find our socials online as well. Guys, we have enjoyed it and we uh, would love if you could review, share, and join us next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Today we are going to talk about how you're not screwing up your kids. Relax. Most of y'all believe you are in some way screwing up your children, but we have good news for you. We you... we come with good news of great joy. I was going to say chillaxin. Like chill and relax, and then that made me think of Netflix and chill, and you know you can't say Netflix and chill. No, unless you want to Netflix and chill.